Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It Easy Podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. It is November 5th. According to my count, we have the lovely Morgan from Australia coming on with us on a Friday here today. So that should be a fun podcast. We will get to that coming up in a bit. We got Aaron Rodgers talk. We're going to play a game with NBA coaches, her beloved Saints, I guess, and uh, everything in between. So we've got a good podcast there. Stay tuned for that. Uh, But we begin today's podcast with a central theme of this week, which is stories around sports revolving real heart-wrenching topics, Uh, we turn to the story of Robert Sarver in the NBA. And for those who don't know who Robert Sarver is, he is the owner of the Phoenix Suns. Not well-liked within NBA circles and generally seen as an inept owner of an inept franchise that until last year was probably the poorest run in the NBA outside of the Sacramento Kings. The difference with Robert Sarver, though, is the billionaire aspect of entitlement and racism and misogyny that was kind of talked about behind the scenes, but didn't have the extensive reporting done by Baxter Holmes of ESPN to back up the claims of Robert Sarver being not just an inept owner, but also a problematic owner with a toxic workplace environment, etc., etc. And so what I wanted to talk about here is not so much the story of whether or will he, won't he stay in power, because the way that the sports structure is set up is that there is not an accountability measure for owners. There's some every now and then when public pressure calls for it, like Dan Snyder basically being forced to step away from the team for a year and a half while the investigation is going on and putting the Washington football team on autopilot for a gigantic scandal and Mark Cuban getting a two and a half million dollar fine over his franchise and every now and then Donald Sterling will have a team taken away or Jerry Richardson will be forced to sell the team because of all the me too stuff that was going to come up around him that we never really got other than just a surface level and so Sometimes there's an accountability measure there, but it's only with public pressure and reporting in these situations and bravery from women and uh, men in certain situations, um, black men as well, to come forward and discuss these issues. And uh, in the case of Donald Sterling, the leaked videotapes of V. Stiviano, which is just an impeccable story leading to the downfall of Donald Sterling. But anyways, so we have this story from Robert Sarver that comes out. I just want to read a good chunk of it here in a segment I like to call reading. It is a reporting version of this and maybe an audio form of a story that's out here that maybe isn't getting the same clout that some people would take it to because ESPN has a conflict of interest and corporate partners with the NBA are such that the Phoenix Suns story, while it's, you know, headline on Bleacher Report or a headline on Fox or a headline on NBC Sports, 
Uh, you cannot find that story on the uh, ticker tape of ESPN's home website. I'm looking at it currently as we report this. There is uh, Jets and Colts on the ferry front. Top headlines, Tennessee Volunteers Won't Impose Bull Ban. LeBron out a week with abdomen strain. Jack Eichel traded to Vegas and will have a disc replacement. Um, Ex-Washington State coach Rolovich is appealing his firing. Uh, Dak Prescott will start for the Cowboys. OBJ excused from practices. A Bill Barnwell story about who will win the AFC East. And no mention to this massive story that dropped because there is a conflict of interest here between the ESPN doing the reporting and them being corporate partners with the NBA and the NBA's desire to not remove Robert Sarver as it seems right now because they haven't necessarily moved swiftly and this case doesn't have the videotape associated to it that made a rallying cry for public pressure to put a PR move for the NBA to take Donald Sterling's team away. So Here's the reporting around this story because it is very well done and takes you behind the scenes of power, abusive power, and uh, situations like this. So uh, there are a few things that are fascinating, but I will just read the story out in front. Um, and again, there will be a note on the front end for the things that you're about to hear. There will be very, very minimal accountability for the things that are described here, both from a leadership standpoint, which we talked about yesterday around Aaron Rodgers, the leader of an organization, of course, uh, this is a huge flaw. And if this were a CEO of a company, other than, I guess, Dave Portnoy, which is also trending today, but if it were a CEO of a company, there would definitely be grounds for pushing for the removal of a CEO if you had a accountability measure of shareholders who would potentially want to not have the PR around this. But all of this to lead us into this reporting. On the evening of October 30th, 2016, at Talking Sticks Resort Arena in downtown Phoenix, Earl Watson, in just his third game as Suns head coach, faced a tall task, beat the powerhouse Golden State Warriors. The young Phoenix Suns team had been toiling at the bottom of the NBA standings for years, missing the playoffs for six straight seasons while churning through head coaches. Watson was the fourth in as many years. Still, the Suns were playing the eventual NBA champions close, eventually leading by 13 in the first half. And it didn't last. The Warriors took control in the fourth quarter and cemented a 106-100 win, dropping the Suns to 0-3. After the loss, Suns majority owner Robert Sarver entered the coach's locker room, Watson told ESPN. Quote, You know, why does Draymond Green get to run up the court and say N-word? Robert Sarver, who is white, allegedly said, repeating the N-word several times in a row. You can't say that, Watson, who is black and Hispanic, told Sarver. Why, Sarver replied. Draymond Green says N-word. Quote, you can't effing say that, Watson said again. The antidote offers a glimpse into conduct that sources told ESPN Sarver has often exhibited since buying the Suns in 2004. Interviews with more than 70 former and current Suns employees through Sarver's 17-year tenure describe a toxic and sometimes hostile workplace under Sarver. Some told ESPN that he had, accused, he had occasionally used racially insensitive language repeatedly in the office. Employees recounted conduct they felt was inappropriate and misogynistic, including Sarver once passing around a picture of his wife in a bikini to employees and speaking about times his wife performed oral sex on him. 
Some said the longtime owner fostered an environment in which employees felt they were his property, even once asking one woman whether he, quote, owned her to determine whether she worked for the Suns. The level of misogyny and racism is beyond the pale, one Suns co-owner said about Sarver. It's embarrassing as an owner, said one former Suns basketball executive. Quote, there's literally nothing you could tell me about him from a misogynistic or race standpoint that would surprise me. Through his legal team, Sarver denied using racially insensitive language. Quote, I've never called anyone or any group of people the N-word or referred to anyone in any group of people by the N-word, verbally or in writing. I don't use that word. It's abhorrent. It's ugly. It's, it's abhorrent and ugly and denigrating and against everything I believe in. Sarver did acknowledge using the word once many years ago. Quote, on one occasion, a player used the N-word to describe the importance of having each other's back. I responded by saying, quote, I wouldn't say N-word. I would say that we're in a foxhole together. An assistant coach approached me a short time after and told me I shouldn't say the word, even if I were quoting someone else. I immediately apologized and haven't said it ever again. The N-word has never been a part of my vocabulary. In the case of the October 30th, 2016 game versus the Warriors, Sarver and his lawyers wrote that Sarver did not have the conversation with Watson, but had one with a Suns player who had received a technical foul for what they said was using the N-word during the game. Sarver had encouraged the player to appeal the technical foul because Green had used the word in the game. Uh, going through, skipping forward a little bit here so that we can get into some of the details here. There's, there's a bit about Michelle Roberts in there as well that's interesting because she deflected a little bit. Before the 2017-2018 season, a tense front office situation provided another glimpse into interactions with Sarver's employees felt were racially insensitive. Late in the previous season, point guard Eric Bledsoe had been benched in a tanking effort led by Sarver and former basketball operations staffers. Issues with the benching perc percolated into the offseason when Bledsoe was eligible for an extension. Contract talks led Bledsoe's clutch sports agent, Rich Paul, to communicate directly with Sarver. The Suns owner didn't want to extend Bledsoe's contract, in part due to concerns about Bledsoe's durability, plus that the team had performed poorly with him as the starting point guard. Paul responded to Sarver's remarks by saying he knew basketball and that they, quote, weren't talking about tennis, Sarver's childhood sport. Sarver erupted at the dig, according to two people with knowledge of the interaction, telling Paul he was going to fire Watson as the team's head coach if Watson didn't sever ties with Clutch, which had been representing Watson, within 10 days, just after the start of the season. Watson said that Sarver's ultimatum quickly reached him. He asked Sarver if he was serious. Quote, yeah, I will effing fire you, Sarver told Watson. You have 10 days to think about it. Don't wait too long. Watson said he explained to Sarver the optics of a white owner asking a black coach to fire an agency led by a black agent in Paul. Quote, yeah, I understand what race you two are, Sarver replied. So I'm asking you, how bad do you want your job? Watson said he told Sarver that he wasn't going to fire Clutch. Quote, you can do whatever you want, Watson said he told Sarver. You own this team, but my culture is not for sale, and I'm not for sale. Through legal representation, Sarver said his issues with Clutch was solely due to a conflict of interest, that a coach and player could not be represented by the same agent. Watson, when told of Sarver's response, said, quote, Rich Paul was never my agent. Watson was represented by Clutch Sports, which is owned by Paul. Guess who did my contract when I got hired to be a head coach? Clutch, Watson said. If Clutch did my contract, 
wouldn't the Suns have just told me we can't sign you because it's a conflict of interest? They did my interim contract. They did my other contract. They did two contracts for me. The Suns lost their final, their first three games of the season by a combined 92 points. Watson's final game as head coach was a 130-88 loss to the Clippers. Sarver fired him the next day. Quote, it's almost like an ownership thing, Watson told ESPN. He wants people to call him and beg him. In Watson's first year leading the bench in Phoenix, Sarver asked about the state of the organization and where Watson thought it could improve. Watson told Sarver it suffered from a lack of diversity. Quote, I don't like diversity, Sarver replied, according to Watson and a basketball operations staffer with knowledge of the interaction. Sarver said to Watson that having a diverse staff made it hard for people to agree. A lack of diversity among the organization's highest ranks was an issue that a number of employees voiced to their superiors. Multiple employees said, quote, everyone knows that our diversity here is shit, one current business employee said. Through legal representation, the Sun said the organization, quote, has a long history of prioritizing racial diversity since Mr. Sarver purchased an ownership stake in the team. Sun said 2020 they emphasized increasing diversity among their team's business and leadership. Watson said one of his final interactions with Sarver was explaining how Watson believed the owner's outburst negatively affected every aspect of the franchise, from the player's performance on the court to the coach's ability to do their jobs on the bench all the way to the front office's ability to make sound basketball decisions to the way the Suns were officiated. During Sarver's tenure, the Suns have cycled through nine head coaches, including seven in an eight-year span, and eight general managers. I say, quote, the only common denominator is you, Watson recalled. This cemetery runs deep of coaches, GMs, and players. You're the one common thread. It's you. Watson said he told Sarver that he was toxic and the Suns were toxic because of him. Sarver screamed back, You're effing toxic. Through his legal representation, Sarver said, One of the reasons we parted ways with Mr. Watson was because of the toxic work environment under his leadership during his tenure as head coach. There was an incredible amount of conflict on the team between Mr. Watson and the front office, which, by the way... This is the, this is me coming in here with editorializing. This is the classic uh, the classic line of uh, Donald Trump and Republicans, which is if you're going to do something illegal, the first thing you do is accuse the other people of doing something illegal so that it deflects from the illegal thing that you're about to do, which in this case, if you're going to claim that there's a toxic environment, the first thing you're going to do is accuse someone else of creating a toxic environment. So... Continuing, early in his tenure, Sarver once tried to impress upon employees how big of a Suns fan he was and how excited he was to lead the organization. In one meeting, to drive his point home, Sarver passed around a picture of his wife in a Suns bikini, multiple former longtime employees told ESPN. One former executive who was in the meeting said, We're passing it around like a hot potato. Like, what the hell are we supposed to do with this? That was just, you know, one early glimpse at the man. Sarver responded through his legal team, This is a, uh, well, this is a perfect example of how things get twisted. In the first year of my ownership, a local apparel retailer had recently been awarded the license to sell official branded swimwear. Retailers sent my wife and me a sample along with a brochure, took the picture of the sample, and passed it around. Quote, here's the catalog. This is what the swimsuit looks like. If you have any interest in carrying this line in the team shop, here is the number to call. 
More than a dozen employees recalled Sarver making lewd comments in all staff meetings, including discussing times when his wife would perform oral sex on him. Four former employees said that in several all-staff meetings, Sarver claimed he needed to wear magnum or extra-large condoms. Former employees said he asked players about their sex lives and the sexual prowess of their significant others. Quote, women have very little value, one female former staffer said she felt. Quote, women are possessions, and I think we're nowhere close to where he thinks men are. Before the 2008-2009 season, a pregnant Suns employee who was helping coordinate the 2009 NBA All-Star Game in Phoenix was told by Sarver that she would not be able to continue in that role. The two employees said Sarver explained the woman would be breastfeeding and would need to be home with her newborn. Quote, it was so out of line and so inappropriate, one of the employees with the remark said. Some employees believe that such a move would have violated discrimination and employment laws, and the two employees said other members of the Suns management quickly rebuked Sarver and told the female employee she would remain in that role. Quote, by the way, one current Suns business operations employee says, if the commissioner comes in and investigates to see what the bleep is going on in Phoenix, he would be appalled. Soon after the incident, multiple female former Suns employees said Sarver asked some of them to have lunch with women who worked at a bank he oversaw as CEO. The perception among some female employees was that he believed some women with the Suns weren't as tough as the women who worked at the bank. Quote, so humiliating, one female former employee said after the arranged lunch. Sarver, through his attorneys, said, Networking relationships between the Suns and the bank have been encouraged for men and women. I think it's really productive for everyone when there's collaboration among stakeholders and the opportunity to share best practices. A female former marketing employee said Sarver would frequently use language such as, Do I own you? Are you one of mine? Quote, He makes you feel like you belong to him, the employee said. Several employees recalled separate incidents in which Sarver referred to staffers and players as, quote, inventory. Said one former executive, quote, his mentality is, if you don't like it, there's the door, you can get the bleep out of here. When the Suns were recruiting free agent LaMarcus Aldridge in 2015, the team knew Aldridge had young children in Texas and playing near them was appealing. During the recruitment, Sarver remarked to two basketball operations staffers the Suns needed to have local strippers impregnated by NBA players so that players would have children in the Phoenix area and feel obliged to be closer to them, giving the Suns a potential edge in free agency. Sorry for giggling there a bit, it's just kind of crazy outlandish, that idea. Um, former Suns account executive David Bosden said in August 2014, Sarver pantsed him in front of more than 60 employees at the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. A former senior basketball staffer and senior marketing employee confirmed this account to ESPN. In the aftermath, Bosden said in an HR representative smirk and said, please don't sue us for sexual harassment. Quote, I had no idea what to say to that, Bodzin set told ESPN. What does a 25-year-old say in that situation? They say, okay. Quote, I was shell-shocked, as if I've thought about it more. Every year that it has gone by, I've thought about it. Makes me angrier I didn't come forward about it. My power was minimal in that I had said something and just an, as just an account executive. I felt I would have been blacklisted from the industry. 
Through his attorneys, Sarver said, quote, I would like to apologize directly to David Bodson. I remember this incident from seven years ago. I never meant to cause any harm or offense, and I certainly did not mean to embarrass Mr. Bodson. At the time, I thought this was taken as a joke by everyone in the room. I understood a short time later this was inappropriate, purely on me, and it was a misguided attempt at humor. Uh, after a game in 2018-19, Sarver fumed that rookie center DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick, had failed to record a block or a foul. Sarver slammed the stat sheet down in front of assistant coach Corliss Williamson, who had been working with Ayton. In all my years, that's the first time I've ever seen an owner come in there and act like that with the coaching staff. Williamson, a 6'7", 245-pound former NBA champion with the Pistons, whose nickname was The Big Nasty, Williamson, who grew up in Arkansas, said an older white male owner aggressively confronting him, a black man from the South, carried racial connotations for him. Quote, that's exactly where my mind went, Williamson told ESPN. He sought out Sarver in the subsequent days, including visiting his office. Eventually, the two spoke briefly and tensions subsided. I really wanted to make sure he didn't do something like that to someone else who didn't have a cooler head. That's why I went looking for him. It was far from the first time members of the coaching staff felt like Sarver had marginalized them. Watson remembers Sarver drawing up plays that didn't exist in the locker room. Quote, he was asking players to set up pick and roll in the middle of the paint. How is that even possible with three seconds and no spacing? One former Suns basketball operations staffer who interacted with Sarver regularly said he still deals with stress and anxiety from Sarver's verbal abuse and late night phone calls to the point that he panics strikes any time the phone rings late in the evening. Quote, I never felt comfortable there, the staffer said, and I was there for a long time. I didn't even get fired, if that gives you any context. I left on my own. There's no reason to be miserable every day anymore. Sarver instituted unusual and frequent demands, former co coaches and basketball operations staff said, and during part of that 2018-19 season, he told Kokoskov's staff, that they shouldn't hold pens, paper, notebooks, or anything in their hands on the sidelines. They had to stand and cheer. Multiple current and former employees told ESPN members of the Sun's executive team contributed to workplace toxicity of the organization. In 2017, two former employees said white male executives repeatedly called a black co-worker Carlton in reference to the character from the 90s TV show Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In at least one instance, he jokingly told the co-worker to do the Carlton for him. The employees said the black co-worker on multiple occasions told the white executive to stop calling him by that name and that he was not going to do the dance for him. Quote, super racist, one former employee said. One former female employee said that after being physically assaulted by a male co-worker outside the office, a female co-worker went to HR out of concern for the employee's safety. The two told ESPN that HR spoke with the alleged victim, ultimately deciding that simply moving her desk would resolve the issue. At the time, the alleged victim said there were two rows of desks, with partitions separating each one. Hers was right next to the male co-workers. They moved her to the second row. Quote, I couldn't escape, she said, adding that if she stood up, he was right there, probably less than 10 feet away. It was a joke. An absolute joke. As far as the employee is aware, there was no investigation. The Suns told ESPN they could, quote, take no action because both employees declined to speak with HR and because neither employee expressed an interest in having the Suns intervene concerning the dispute. The Suns denied every instru ever instructing 
either having an employee move their desk to resolve a domestic dispute they were having. In all, three people told ESPN the employee's desk location had indeed been moved. A number of employees, especially women, described to ESPN being subjected to or witnessing verbal barrages from male executives. Quote, I think as women, when we come into sports, unfortunately, we're resigned to the fact that we'll be sexually harassed at some point, the female former marketing employee said. But the part that was worst for me is the verbal abuse and feeling like I wasn't human. These public examples of mistreatment and disregard were consistent sources of concern for many women throughout the organization. Female employees reported inappropriate comments by managers, according to multiple former employees, One female former sales employee said a former son's vice president, who appeared intoxicated, asked her how many members of her department she had slept with and about specific co-workers' penis. I was terrible. It was terrible because I had not had sexual interactions with anybody on the staff, so that was very weird. And it also made me uncomfortable because my vice president is asking me about my sexual history with other co-workers? That kind of thing was almost normal. When contacted for comment, the executive said such questions were never raised with any employee. One female former marketing employee described sitting in meetings with senior leaders and hearing sexist remarks made about women, including the need to have women at certain events in low-cut tops. And then I would say, quote, this isn't a productive meeting for me and I'm uncomfortable. They would say, quote, it's just a joke. Get over it. Current and former employees said women often did not feel valued and were ignored when they said so, a sentiment that led to frequent departures. Quote, especially with the younger girls, I felt like I was abandoning them, said one former female employee. Former female employee. I felt bad for leaving. It was hard. And I was so, and so I was happy when I learned all of them are out of there. Quote, it breaks you, said another female former employee. I'm hard to break, and it broke me. Quote, it wrecked my life, a third female former employee said. I was contemplating suicide. A current executive is among nearly a dozen who acknowledge seeking professional help to coach with it, cope with anxiety, sleep loss, and overall declining well-being working for the Suns. Quote, when I went to the psychologist, I cried a bucket of tears, the executive said. And it's like that with a lot of us. It's just sad. Even with the team's recent success, one current staffer said the team's culture has continued to decay. Quote, Now, when employees should be having fun and should be enjoying success, the staffer said, the culture is lower than it's ever been. If you want to read the full story, because we, we did skip over a few things here and there, but we got most of the big details in there. If you wanted to read the full story, I encourage you to check that out over on ESPN, Baxter Holmes. Uh, if you Google Robert Sarver story or Robert Sarver Baxter Holmes, you can read the full story. It's about 30 minutes long. We got about 20 minutes of it in here. I encourage you to check out the remainder of that pod. So with that being said, let us talk with Morgan from Australia, uh, kind of continuing this conversation, but just within a different context. So uh, let us enjoy our lovely podcast that we always have with Morgan from Australia, international correspondent of the Lauer After Hours podcast. Damn it. 
almost got it right. The Lauer After Hours podcast, which is a podcast about a podcast, which you will hear us talk about a bit here because we're both Lebetard super fans. And that is our connection to each other, despite being halfway around the world. So here is international correspondent Morgan from Australia. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Look at you, the the defeated Saints fan at this point. Is that where you're defeated? What do you mean? (laughs) You've lost your beloved Jameis at this point. Jameis Schmamis. We beat the Bucks. Like I'm, I'm going on my um uh, apology tour, as in give the apologies I deserve for the lack of respect showed to the Saints in the off season. I mean, sure, you can enjoy you can enjoy it for now as you head towards the sixth seed in the NFC. Well, when am I gonna enjoy it? Please. No. No. You're gone, so I'm just gonna talk about the Saints. Go Um, for it. I'm alive again. Demario Davis. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Demario Davis, marry me. Honestly. (laughs) What a man. Um I think I'm in love. <laughs> um, that was so good. They were just so good. They're and, so, oh, so, they're to have so average. They're so average no. to above average. No, they're not. They have intangibles like chemistry, like they actually like each other and want to play with each other. Having Mark Ingram back was like having a family member back that you haven't seen in a long time, and it was beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if I enjoyed the game more or the press conference afterwards. So you're a family, F-A-M-I-L-Y. That's, uh, Fam. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a joke from the Robert Sarver article today. Yes, F-A-M-I-L-Y. That is, that is the motto in New Orleans. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to make any jokes about New Orleans. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that the Saints were fantastic. And once again, Tom and the Bucks were boring. Yawn. There you go. I, I see it. Talk your shit. This is, this is the time yeah. to do it. I'm going to talk my shit. Like, we've beaten them three out of four times. Yeah, okay, they won the one that mattered, but fuck off. In the meantime, like we own you, Tom. The NFC South is ours. Fuck off back to the AFC. Well, no. This is no, our I, I, this is our division. It's not yours. Go well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, you guys are we still, still won the, we still won the division last year. You did. It's our yes. division. But they're gonna win they're it. Trying to take things away from me. They're not gonna win it this year. They're <laughs> half a game back now. And now that we've just lost our quarterback. Both of them. Now, what do you mean? He's back. Taysom's back now? He's in full training. Oh, so Taysom's going to start next week? No. (laughs) Because now that everyone expects him to, he's going to go with Simeon. No, he can't. He is. He's a troll. I'm convinced. This has been Sean Payton's greatest dream across many years is that eventually he and Taysom Hill could run off to a farm and go play quarterback together. All right. Taysom spent far too much time on farms, I've heard. Um, no, Sean's no longer interested. Um, he's no longer catching what uh, Taysom's throwing. And again, Taysom would drop it too. But, yeah, he, he I was listening to Mina, and um, as always, and 
whoever was on with her this week said that they think that or that Sean Payton said that he thought Simeon would play and continue. Like how first off, like ballsy to come straight into that game and like go for it on first play. Like ballsy, Trevor Simeon. Um he thinks that Trevor Simeon can run his offense, Sean Payton's offense, rather than having to go with the packages. The Taysom Hill packages. Uh, the Taysom Hill packages. Um, and, like, I don't know. Before we continue to entertain this Trevor Simeon possibility of you guys winning the NFC South, remember that Trevor Simeon got not one, but two full seasons with maybe the greatest defense we have ever seen and did not win more than nine games. So he doesn't, he doesn't have to win nine games. He has to win at least four. I don't feel good about that. That's not, that's not nine. He's already won one against the Bucks. Sure. So he's got to win three more, four more to get. Uh, I'm sorry. He came from behind and beat Tom Brady. Wow. That's not an accomplishment. Okay. What more do you want from him? He's proven in, the one opportunity he was given, he can do it. What else are we going to do? Play in book? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, but I've seen Trevor Semyon play a Monday night football game with the Jets and lose by like 28 to the Patriots. And I've watched yeah, him. And I, beat- I saw Jameis Winston throw 30 intercepts. He doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, but Jameis Winston's Lasik. also boring. <laughs> he's not boring. He's fun. Didn't you see him with his crutches dancing around? Oh, he's a meme, but that doesn't make him a fun football player. They just check him down all the time. They've turned him into like Teddy Bridgewater. They did not turn him into Teddy Bridgewater. Don't say that. They have turned him into Teddy Bridgewater. If Jameis Winston is not throwing interceptions, but also averaging like eight yards of completion, then you've turned him into Teddy Bridgewater. He has nobody to throw to. Sure. Okay. That's fair. Our our one receiver is a running back. I mean, you still got the, the Callaway there, preseason Hall of Famer Marquez Callaway, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, that uh, doesn't translate. Um, can I name? Eventually, we're going to do the Levitard Show game where I just ask you to name head coaches because we have to, as that's the the theme of today's episode. But I would say I can give you maybe three Saints wide receivers. I think there's a Harris that plays for the Saints. I know Marquez Callaway. Um, I think there's a Troutman there somewhere. He's a tight end, Adam Troutman. Okay, so he doesn't count. Is Lil Jordan still there? He's my favorite name back when he was at Texas. Is Lil Jordan Humphrey still there? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen him. That doesn't mean, I don't know, like 14 people caught passes on the weekend, and I didn't know any of them. Yep. Uh, You get a catch, and you get a catch. I think I saw Kevin White there. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, is that that's the same Kevin White from like, top 10 pick like a few years ago like that kevin white is a saint now mm. yeah huh. mark ingram's a saint. Yeah. yeah mark ingram is a saint now now you yeah, just very latavius funny. you need to get the whole gang back together bring latavius murray back unless we don't bring eli apple back yep you can bring him back at a certain point no. who else would be there janoris jenkins nope. the titans <laughs> The Titans given up on the season yet? Can you bring Janoris Jenkins back? I don't know. No Derrick Henry. Tighten up. Oh, nope. Yeah. Oh, nope. I had Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, but no one likes it when you talk about your fantasy team. No. In first place, though. That's yeah. All I'll say. Well, oh, well, enjoy it now while it lasts. That's what you yeah. call me. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I'm coming here because I have a bone to pick with you. 
regarding your Aaron Rodgers leadership podcast. Uh, did you listen to it? I'm an avid listener of the podcast. I don't just listen to an eye turner. I don't listen to them at all. But I am a listener and I was angry. I don't care if he's a leader. Him being a leader to the Green Bay Packers is irrelevant to me. Him having a responsibility as just a human being to the journalists and to the reporters who are conducting face-to-face interviews with him under the assumption that he is vaccinated, he owes them a duty of care and he was negligent in that by being a fraudulent, lying sack of shit. Wow, we went intense there. Uh, I would say if Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did lie about that, and that's, you know, morally compromising, dependent on the stance around the vaccine. Medically compromising those people and their safety and the safety of their families and their friends, and that is negligence because he, he showed only a care for Aaron Rodgers, and that is not good enough. I don't, I, care. I don't care what he wants to do on the field, what he wants to do inside the building, when he is going to put his – when he's going to take into his own hands and jeopardise the health and the safety of other people, um, then no, that's something that needs to be done about that. Well, what would you say needs to be done about that? There has to be some kind of repercussions. Like everyone else is, that has – flouted the COVID protocols has been fined. If you want to mix up a couple of fucking herbs from down the garden that Shailene got when she was out picking water, then that then that's up to you. If that's what you think is going to keep you immunized, then congratulations. Obviously you're not immunized. But when your choices then impact the health and safety of other people, then there needs to be a consequence. In the case of the Packers, like they had to know that he wasn't vaccinated and no one else came forward in that case. And so I'm interested in that. Like, what is it that Aaron Rodgers is already got everyone afraid in the organization? Is he commanding? It's already going. Why do they care? Like, honestly, that's a good question. Why did they protect him? Because they knew he wasn't vaccinated. They unless he had like a fake vax card, which is a whole nother situation where now that's that's even more reckless because now you want to not only do you want to like have your cake and eat it around the vaccine situation, but now you are actively lying to your organization and potentially breaking a law. I mean, I know in America, the, the punishment isn't necessarily stronger other than like a fine, but you're technically breaking the law in that situation, which is a whole nother measure of accountability for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know why the Packers defended him around the situation. I get that they want to, that the, like, they want to keep the peace. It's a tumultuous relationship they have. They're walking on eggshells around him, whether through their fault or his fault. That's inconsequential. It's a delicate situation, but um, to if the, I believe they were aware because he had advised them and he had tried to get his little bush weeds ticked off as being vaccine. Um, so they knew he hadn't been actually vaccinated and apparently was following protocols within the facility. So 
why would they then allow him to not do that on game day so as to keep up the facade publicly that he had been vaccinated? If if you have a problem with the vaccine, then this is my opinion. If If you have a problem with vaccines or you have some kind of stance which makes you not want to have it, then I believe you have a responsibility in his position to stand by it. Like as much as I think Kyrie's an idiot, at least he is who he is. Like he's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's like right there. This is me. I'm addicted. Whereas Aaron Rodgers has been pretending to be somebody he's just not. Like, mm-hmm. he lied when he called himself immunized. So, lied about being vaccinated and has been parading himself around in situations where only vaccinated players could be. So as to keep up a public image. I think the irresponsible part is irrefutable. I think that what Aaron Rodgers did was really irresponsible. And I don't know what other measure of accountability there is for that because, yeah, he lied to the media and potentially his teammates. Like, we don't know whether his teammates knew he was vaccinated or not, but he was also doing the Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins thing where you wear a mask around the facility and stuff. So maybe people kind of got the hint from that. But other than that, I just don't know how else. But aren't aren't there different areas that you need to train in as well? So not just like wear a mask. Are they like, there's like different, I don't know, entry, exit sort of shit. But like probably going through the different testing testing protocols. Yeah. So like, it'd be pretty easy for them to figure out who and who who is and who isn't vaccinated yeah like as, it, as somebody within the building especially considering that 95 to 97 percent are vaccinated and so it sticks out like a sore thumb when you have to go through the other procedures which i guess was so really- all the no names they must all be vaccinated because i would assume if so. 95 to 97 percent of people are vaccinated there seems to be a hell of a lot of known names that aren't. Yeah, it's the people who have privilege in this situation. Yeah, where who know that they've still got a check coming. Yeah, you can be free mind and free body person without having any consequences. Because I know there are a few teams that are fully vaccinated. I think it was maybe Atlanta was one of them that was fully vaccinated. But I, if, outside of that, like if you think about a league that has, what would it be? If you count practice squad players, like, 2000 players so 95% would be like 100 to 150 players that aren't vaccinated and it seems like you know five of them are quarterbacks that we at least know of so I would assume all the people on the bubble did have the vaccine or at least people who whose names we know which is probably a lot in football are the ones unvaccinated but Aaron Carson Kirk Cousins Maybe Josh Allen. I don't know about Josh Allen anymore. I think he was the anti-vaxxer on the front end, but I don't know if he got vaccinated or not. Like those are people we just know at this point. Cole Beasley. Beasley. Yeah. Montez Sweat. 
Oh, we did this joke a while ago of the all anti-vax team. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot who else was there. Uh, I think Leonard Fournette was on the team. Oh. Um, yeah, there were there were a few people in there who were the all uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, he was the anti-vaxer at the start. Uh, who else was in the mix there? There were a few people. I'm trying to remember. I just assume Tyler <laughs> Eifert. I just I'm guessing Tyler Eifert just by character is probably anti-vax. We'd, we'd know if J.J. Watt was because he would have told us by now. J.J. Watt's probably vaccinated. J.J. Watt's probably right. vaccinated. But <laughs> he's, that, probably, he's probably had seven just because he's that tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Man Campbell would be someone you joke about, but he's Man Campbell gets him in his kneecaps. <laughs> Man Campbell. Oh, should I do the Chris Cody Man Campbell impersonation? Get the vaccine. Save your life. <laughs> I hate um, COVID. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, Campbell. Uh, yeah. I mean, to bring it back to the Rogers point, like he, even if he's in that camp of anti-vaxxers, he didn't want to be a leader on out in front of anti-vax. Like Kyrie Irving, I, whatever Kyrie Irving stands for, he wants to be a leader and is willing to absorb whatever sacrifices it might be, even if it's leading on something that's dumb. He still wants no, to be a leader. I, I'd that. prefer you be a leader than be a liar. Because oh, yeah, for sure. I think like if you don't stand for something, then you stand for nothing. And if you're going to take a stance that is against 97% of your workforce and you want, then I think that you owe it to yourself and to those people to explain why that is. Maybe oh, yeah, not to me. Sure. Maybe not to me. You, go, I don't, you don't have a responsibility to me. I don't give a shit. I'm, I just think you're a moron. But to the people that you surround yourself with, the, who you are, who you are, not obliged, but you're a part of an organization where you're working together to achieve a goal and you not being vaccinated puts that into jeopardy. <laughs> I see what you did there, which this is kind of the crux of the conversation that I had on the podcast, which is just if everyone, I mean, Aaron Rodgers being a leader is irrefutably better for the Green Bay Packers. If Rodgers sows a trusting environment within that organization they're going to be better because people will, perf- will perform at their best when they're relaxed. R-E-L-A-X, another Rogers reference here. But even still, like, does he have that responsibility to the Packers and to the teammates in that locker room? I mean, if Rogers is going to be lookout for himself guy, and also I think he thought he could get away with it and not suffer the consequences of being an anti-vaxxer. Like, he just felt... I can hide this, right? Like the consequences of being an anti-vaxxer at this point are a level of public shaming because it's so idiotic to be counterculture around this. And I think Rogers wanted to skirt. I don't, the I don't, I don't think it really is because there are so many, like, like he would be the highest of high profiles that is that isn't vaccinated. But at the same time, there are other QB ones who are not vaccinated. I think everyone everyone like knows his, he's yeah. living an alternative lifestyle. His fiance brushes her teeth with clay that she picks up out of the ground. Like <laughs> they're odd. And and I get that Aaron, perhaps Aaron wants to move further as time goes by, wants to move further and further away from the structured, strict um way that he grew up and from his family situation. But mixing up leaves as a vaccine and brushing your teeth with clay doesn't need to be it you can use toothpaste in a vaccine you'll be fine 
Well, you also have to live with the consequences of it if you choose that, which is like you can do that, but then you also cannot do the, the you cannot have the freedoms within the construct of your organization. This is the same thing he did this offseason with the trade request is like if you are serious about this and you have no leverage, you have to be willing to make it ugly, which I've crapped on Russell Wilson for like six months for immediately folding the second that he had the chance to get out. Oh, of he, there. he doesn't have it in him. Look at him. No. No, he doesn't. He loves he, being corporate Russell, or at the very least, he's he likes a nice the, man. He doesn't have it in him. He, he, he can't he make likes, a mess. He likes the benefits of being corporate Russell at the very least. Like he likes being the face of Alaska Airlines and the face of JBL headphones and, you know, dating Ciara and being the, the family. He married man. her. He's not dating her. He yeah. Married her. Sorry. Yes. Marrying Ciara. Yeah. But, but that's man. kind of like not as nerdy as he seems to be. So, yeah. But, but it, on the other, I, end, I think there's a difference between the two. I oh, I get sure. that I Russell Wilson is cheesy. He is and not a taste for everybody. But if if I Russell think Aaron Wilson, Rodgers is a jerk. If Russell Wilson's a one and James Harden was a ten, because if the Rockets didn't trade James Harden, PJ Tucker was going to punch him in the face at the next practice. So if 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 Russell's a one and James Harden, Ben Simmons is a 10, then Aaron Rodgers is like a six. Like he was willing no. to make it kind of ugly, oh. but he, no, he, he folded. At the oh, end. He wasn't willing. He, he wasn't willing enough to make it ugly. He Not just, enough to get he, out no, of there. He, no, he just wanted to make himself the victim because Aaron loves being the victim. Look how hard done by I am by this organization. Look how awful my life is here at this organization. Shut the fuck up. When you got drafted to that organization, who was the quarterback then? What happened to you happened to your predecessor. So let's not throw stones when you live in a glass house. Do you know since 2000 who the only quarterback is drafted in the first round who didn't start in their first two seasons? Yes, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Do you know who the second one was going to be? Jordan Love. Just because the Packers. I listened to this podcast, told you that. Yeah, I did. Yes. And the the Green Bay Packers do that thing differently. Now, whether it's going to be right or wrong, we'll find out later. Like, it all depends. The Packers do that differently. Like, the Steelers don't sack their coaches. It's just a cultural thing. Yeah. It could work, could not, you know. I think it depends how good Jordan Love is. Aaron Rodgers happened to be the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. And also, a jerk. Yeah. Like his predecessor. <gasps> yeah. Uh, well, different way. Different way of being uh, a jerk. jerk's jerk. And that's not it's exactly. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wide umbrella. Take your both stand under it. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if insurance fraud, Brett Favre is. Fraud, fraud, fraud. Bring out the chickens. <laughs> Kentucky fraud chickens are here. You the Kentucky fraud chickens here uh, for. You're not vaccinated. <laughs> White supremacist. Yeah. Right? That might have been a weird thing, but still, white supremacist. Uh, I think it was in a cameo. Yeah. Insurance fraud, $50,000, copper fit. Your family hates you. Sorry. I may have said a racial slur, but we can't confirm it. That would be journalistically uncredible. Not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I saw, a, I saw a tweet from one of um, the journalists that I don't know. I don't even know who it was, but she seemed angry. Um, well, she liked that she got to play the victim move. This man put me in danger. 
Which and, one is this? In regards to our whole world. Which one is this? <laughs> You're yeah, right. there could be, there could be um, a lot of yeah, situations. Yeah, no, I could here. be talking about either of them. Um, no, in regards to Aaron Rodgers. And oh, okay. angry. I thought this was going to come all the way around to David Portnoy. I'm like, there's a lot oh, going God. on today in the realm that- of women. Or you could put it to Robert Sarver, or you could put it to Deshaun Watson. There's a lot going Brett on. Favre. In the realm. Yep, Brett Favre. That is another one. Yep. There's a lot going on there. There was like four different options that could have been when you say, look what this is. Why can't men just treat women well? Uh, Because they have not had to for hundreds of years, probably. Let's start now. I agree. Let's start from this point going forward. Just no more treating women poorly. Let's let's And as a consequence, how about we don't employ those who don't treat women well? That is a great idea. Wow, wouldn't that be fantastic? Or let's also not actively seek out the employment of those people by being a little nefarious in their ongoing investigations. We could also do that. And asking the victims to um, wrap it up. Yeah, because the uh, because women are they're allowed to come forward in this situation, but only if it operates on the scale of the NFL trade deadline. Then that's a compromise. If you could add. We could sign that confidentiality clause by 5 p.m. on Tuesday um, and make sure you don't mention this again. We'll be right. Good to go. Yes, this is this is a compromise. O- then and only then will we begin treating women well. Oh, but hang on. After you do that, then we'll go and ask the women in our organization if they feel okay with this. So we'll get it ticked off by the victims first before we discuss it in-house because that's I, uh, how yeah. you would run it. I've got to break character on that. That was bullshit by the, I think it's Chris Greer is the GM of the Dolphins. Oh, I was furious. Uh, There have been multiple times in the last week or so where I have been very angry listening to parts of the Levitard show in regards to um, the news of the week. And this Chris Greer bullshit, the fact that like he tried to, say oh we absolutely did not ask them to do that we certainly did not do that um yes we would have asked the women in our organization but we didn't get that far down the road if you're if you're getting the map out then you need to ask the women in your organization if you're if it is a thought in your mind before you contact he You get your ducks in a row within your organization. If you care at all about the women in your organization, you do that first. And so, like, to bring it back to something I'm familiar with, um, my football club has a player who has last in the last week been charged with groping a woman in a New York nightclub. He is on bail in New York until December, Um, and he is our most promising player, probably one of our highest paid, young, exciting, Um, and this is the second incident. The first incident he had in Australia a few years ago, but he hasn't been – there were charges, but he, he wasn't prosecuted. Um, so this time, everyone's just like, no, 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 fuck you. You have, this is, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a wrong place, wrong time. 
you have a pattern, you're a jerk. And we stood him down. And so they not he will still be paid, but he's not allowed to access the facility. He's stuck in the US anyway. Yeah. But administrative he can, he can, Yeah. So he can't access any of the services of the club. So he can't access lawyers. He can't access any kind of financial support that way or anything like that. And that's a big thing that we have done to get him out of trouble before him and the idiots before him. But in previous, like, decades or whatever, we were just a men's football club, but we're not that anymore. We have a women's football team. We have a women's netball team. Like, we have more women in this organisation than men now. And I, I don't think as, like, as no longer being a football club, you're a sporting club, you can't allow this person to still be a part of the organisation because it, it condones his behaviour. And how do you look at the women in the eye and say, well, oh, well, he's talented. Oh, well, no, like there has to, there's a breaking point. There has to be a line. And hopefully I've got my fingers crossed for us. This is it. And I don't want to lose somebody of his talent, but at the same time, I don't want him around. Yeah, this is the moral the moral side of it, which and is so, like. And so my, you- my team will suffer. My club will suffer from if they do let him go permanently. But in the long term, we will be better people. And isn't that just what we should strive for? I mean, we should at least expect it of our sports leagues. Because, I mean, of all the things that Chris Greer was talking about around the Dolphins thing, the thing that brought me in the most, and I wanted to make sure I found the quote, which was the very first thing he said was, my job as general manager is to investigate every avenue on players that may or may not be available, which is historically true. Like if you don't do it, someone else will, but should yeah, it it's be true, true? It's due diligence. Absolutely. Yeah. But should that be true? Should you explore every possible avenue for acquiring a player? This is. Yes. I think, I think so. I think it is, that is his role and it is due diligence when you are, in a situation where you don't have a quarterback, but they're not a quarterback away. Yeah, but they still get that one for 15 years. And this is the part where morals start to play into the conversation around your team, which I don't know what your team is called, but your team. Um, Collingwood. Oh, it is a Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah, you, you tweet about that all the time. I just wasn't all sure. The time. But that was rugby or, or football or whatever I don't, it was. I don't watch rugby. Ah, I see. Have and a I neck. Sti- <laughs> have and have necks. <laughs> well, alrighty then. Well, this is where the moral conversation comes back into the front, which is, do we want this to be the case? Because when you were telling that story about the team not supporting or not giving what what's his nuts financials or team lawyers or access to services, it reminded me of the story from when I was a child that I read about in a book about 2004, where the Lakers were flying Kobe Bryant back and forth to his rape trial. And they were funding his lawyers from team, you know, basically out of their pocketbooks around the salary cap. And this was a whole story going on around that time that kind of got brushed off. And now in hindsight, doesn't look as strong. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's and, and we, we've, and we've done it before. We have done it before. We've paid for lawyers. We've made stories go away. We've made allegations go away but you can no longer do that when you are now it is not just a boys club anymore yeah and there's and, a- and, and i don't you should not have been doing it then but yeah, you of course you cannot you cannot call yourself 
an a, a sporting organization and say that you support women's sport and then still have this person in the building. Yeah. Having women in legitimate positions of power where they have legitimate accountability measures is an easy way to break diversity. The same way it works with race and LGBTQIA plus people and women and people of different representation matters representation just if you put people to to check straight white people in legitimate positions of power most of your problems disappear this is something that is very obvious to solving this issue is if you can check white people and straight white men cisgender normally christian if you can check those people then all of a sudden you're going to have different opinions and growth of character and you'll have a more prosperous, fulfilled organization and maybe a more successful one, but it will be a better one. Yes. This is the other part that's funny about discrimination, which is it actively hurts yourself, but it feels good to be the perpetrator. And so that feel good, you're willing to sacrifice the success of your organization out of just being an asshole. We, we just like to do it. We put one woman on the board we made sure that she was indigenous and female. So we ticked two boxes, two birds, one stone. Yes. Don't, don't, don't have to put two people on the board. Which is why I, I put the qualifier in there. Legitimate power, not not token, legitimate power. No, no. Can- oh, she, she's got legitimate power now because uh, there's been a, an overthrow of the board in the last year. Ooh, things, weren't go- things weren't going well down at uh, Collingwood. Love coups. Love staging oh, yeah. coups. Yeah, yeah, there was a coup. And then there was like an ex- members were calling for an extraordinary general meeting where they would oust the whole board and start again. <laughs> like those fuckwits on Twitter thought that they could run the club. Uh, I love that idea when public pressure from Twitter starts to to try and compromise billion dollar organizations. Oh, this is this is not just public pressure on Twitter. They had ten thousand signatures. They they met the requirements to actually have it. They went to lawyers and everything. It was. Huge news. The club just ignored them. <laughs> I, don't so know, I, feel like, I don't know who you think you're dealing with here, but like, shut up. The classic thing that Levitard talked about where you, you, uh, you ignore it, then you mock it, then you fight it, then you die is basically the idea. They're in the, they're in the ignore stage still. They're not in the, the fight it yet. They just like flicked it away. Yeah, ten thousand signatures. I mean, is no, they, it like- they 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 gave them the pound of meat that they were looking for. They got rid of. Is this like, like a law in Australia or something? Like, is it? it is this like just a rule? Is this a petition? Because if it's if there's nothing like holding them to it, then yeah, just flick it away and go bye bye. Well, there is because the cl- football clubs in Australia they're not owned by anyone. There's no owner oh. of the Collingwood of the Collingwood Football Club. It's owned, like, I think the, it's owned by the members. It's the, the license is owned by the AFL. So, but the members can control. Oh, so it's like a publicly traded company? Sort um, of? The AFL is. It's a not-for-profit organization. Oh, interesting. Because the money that is made goes back into grassroots to um, fund, like, junior leagues, what a foreign leagues. concept. The idea that we're going to have nonprofit sports leagues that invest in the in the youth other than just private ownership. This seems like a very un-American idea here. 
Yeah. So like what is this un-American it starts with like of- little it starts with like I think it's called oh, it's called Oz Kick and that's what the little kids play when they're like five or six or whatever. Um and now because it's funding because we have a women's league now, which started off with six teams. So in the men's in the men's league we have eighteen teams. And when the women started it had six. And I think by next year it'll have eighteen. Because that's nice. how because that's how well it has gone. Because it turns out that if you show people women's sport, they don't really hate it as much. Yeah. And is- if you give women a pathway and an opportunity, they will thrive. This is and the wild like, thing, isn't it? Is yeah. There is and I no went, difference. I went, no, I went to the first women's game and it was awful. Just that they, they were terrible. So bad. But four years on and they are, it's brilliant to watch. If you, you just got to give them an opportunity to play. Amazing. Yep. Who would have thought? And not have misogynistic people punch actively fight against it. You will, yeah. which and is because a big thing in America. When when the league started, all these women came from all these other sports back to the sport they played as children, but they once they got to the age of 12, weren't allowed to play anymore. There was no leagues for girls. And by 12, at the age of 12, you were kicked off your team. That was in. You're gone. It's only boys from now on. So they all went to play other sports. When this league started up, they all came back from everywhere and sort of learned to play again. And, like, there was people that were WNBA players that came back and played. Yeah. This is this is the part about getting top-tier athletes is that's the only thing that matters. Hence why women's soccer is more popular in America than men's soccer, why women's tennis is more popular than men's tennis that soccer and tennis are getting the best female athletes in America. Soccer and tennis are getting the fifth and seventh tier male athletes in America. So those sports are more popular because you are getting the stronger athletes and nobody cares. This is the thing that people don't realize. Nobody cares whether or not women's soccer in Australia is like to watch the Australian women's team is much better than watching the men's team. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's quality of play difference there too, which is well because if, all those all of our play, oh well not all of them, but a lot of our uh, girls players are playing in the English Premier League, mm-hmm. whereas our men's players are playing well, at the back of Thailand or something. Yeah, similar to America, where yeah, our, our well you've players- got Pulisic, but that's that's it. And we got a couple people over there. Like the, the goalie used to be for like Everton or something. But yeah, for the most part, it's a lot of Americans playing Wasn't in America. That a long time ago. He was there till like 20, like 15, I think. It was, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that, it's a long time ago. But also the U.S. hasn't made the World Cup since then. So. Oh, sorry. I, I forgot I was talking to a minnow. Yeah, pretty much. Even we can make the World Cup. Dude, Panama made the World Cup over us. Freaking Panama! Oh, made when it. you well, when you didn't make the World Cup, that was really funny. I laughed. Oh, it was so. And funny. yet you still get to host one. You didn't even make it. Well, like, yeah, but this this yeah, is but, because we have money. This is what we we have. Oh, no, we have. this is because you weren't sc- screwed out of it by. We needed the we, automatic qualifier. Who we did needed. we get screwed out of it by? Who's got it next next year? Yeah, 
losing out to well actually i don't know we're not we're not totally safe right now i think we're like third out of four in qualifying right now we're not a hundred percent safe from not making it that's embarrassing we're probably gonna make it because we would have to like lose to jamaica or something but but we're pretty sure we're gonna make it but it's not totally set in stone we're gonna make it if there was any justice in the world they would take that world cup off qatar because it was fraudulently decided and give it back to us to you guys, you were gonna get the yeah. World Cup. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was down. Oh, it was down Australia and Qatar. Damn. Yeah. I and instead, they're gonna play in four thousand degree heat. Well, it's, I think it's only gonna be two thousand because they moved it to the winter instead of the summer. So only two thousand instead of four thousand. Yeah, and they don't have stadiums or anything yet, do they? <laughs> a lot of a lot of slave labor dying to make them, but I think yeah. they're gonna have them. I don't understand that. Like we we have the infrastructure in this country already there. We've hosted Olympic Games in two in two cities, Commonwealth Games in two two more. Like there are fucking sporting arenas left, right, and center. It's FIFA, all just FIFA here. Just decided we're just going to plow through this. We're not. We're right. not gonna FIFA just decided the only one thing matters. Yeah, they are the most corrupt organization on the face of the planet. Well, they're trying to fix it now, but they're just like, hey, don't look at that. Don't look at that. That that that. Nope. Don't look at that. We're, yes, we're look at no. this. Look at look at all this corruption we're fixing over here. Don't look at that. Don't don't look at that. Nope. Nope. We're turning it around now. We're going back to the yeah. U.S. We're going to Canada. No, mm-hmm. don't don't look at don't look at Qatar. We're just going to power through that. We're going to pretend it's not happening, and we're just going to get to twenty six when we can expand and make even more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joke. I didn't I didn't think this would be as uh, as societally complex as uh, the the podcast. You know what? I'm a complex character, and I'm here for all of the issues. Yes, which which is why I'm going to ask you now: How many NBA head coaches can you name? NBA head coaches. I can't even name mine. Have you listened to today's show yet for Levitard? No. Oh, you don't you don't know what happened then. Okay. See, no. see, Dan threw out the question that uh, can you name the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder? And uh, let me let me say a certain someone is a dirty cheater who who looked it up and it's not Stu Gotts. Oh, who was it? Who do you think? Oh, it, it would have been Smitty. Yeah, it's Smitty. Who do you think caught Smitty? Stugots. Nope. Was it Billy? It was not Billy. Oh, God. Who was it? It was Witty. Of course he did. He's such a dobber. <laughs> <laughs> he would have loved that too. Oh, God. He's such a snitch. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so do you think you can, since you, oh, since you haven't done this yet, I'll play. This is what I, oh, yeah. is, let's play the game. I like a game. This is, this is the heart of the Lauer after hours podcast, which is a show about a show. So I'm literally just plagiarizing the show here today. So can Morgan from Australia name the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves? I'll give no. you the Chris Cody hint if you want it. Okay, yes, I love hints. I, I think his last name, this is word for word Chris Cody said, I think his last name is a type of bird. A bird. A bird. Minnesota, are they the ones that 
A-Rod bought? <laughs> Technically. I mean, it wasn't actually A-Rod. It was A-Rod's rich friend, but yes. Oh, is he, does he not have any money? Well, he's got some money, but not enough to buy it. I think he put in like like a, a 15% stake or something. So he, he owns like oh. a small part of it. But yeah, his, so his friend would it have is like, been a, like 40% if j didn't leave him. Maybe, but his, his friend is like a legitimate billionaire, like like real money billionaire, I think. So old he money. owns most of old it. Old money, Charlie. Oh, is it old money? <laughs> old money, Charlie's grandpa. <laughs> because I think it's I don't know like who Mark the bird Moore is or something. Uh, it's Chris Finch. Oh, Finch. Hmm. Yeah, Chris so, Finch is next. the coach there. Uh, what else did they throw out? Uh, can you name the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies? What's the Chris Cody hint? I don't think there's a Chris Cody hint for this one. That was just for Finch. What's your hint? Uh, he. Uh, I mean, damn, let me think. He's got a really just boring name. Um, I was trying to think, what's a fun way to I know what he looks name? like. He looks like every 40-year-old white Australian. He looks like Budenholzer, right? He, he looks like Mike Budenholzer pretty much. It's, um, his, he's, he's, his name is Jenkins. That is correct. And his, I don't know his first name. He's got a he's got a first name that is both could be a first and last name, also could be a boy and girl name. Well, there's not that many of those, but he's got one of them. I have one of those names. It's actually yeah. quite common. Yeah. It's not that many. Sugats. Um Jordan could be one of those, but it's not Jordan Jenkins because that's stupid. Taylor. Yep, you got it. It's Taylor Jenkins. Uh, who else? Oh. Was on, who else was in here? Um, I can also just find other ones down the yeah, road. I'm just trying pick to ones that are not so. <sighs> Let's see. I, th- I think they did three of them. They they kind of threw it out for three of them, and then I think Smetty cheated on another one as part of just doing you know doing the gag. But uh, who else was on there? Uh, the Pacers one used to be fun because it was like Nate Bjorkren or something, but now it's easy. No, that's easy. Yeah, it's Carlisle. Uh, who's the Pelicans coach? It's not Stan. I miss Stan. I do too. I want him back. I love Stan. Um, by the way, also, just as a side note, I, I saw them do the podcast today. I still don't know the name of the, the Oklahoma City Thunder coach. <laughs> they said it a bunch. They did five minutes of content on it. I still can't name the Thunder coach. Uh, His name's Willie. Yes, the Pelicans coach is Willie. Uh, the Thunder coach, we didn't say it earlier, is Mark Diagonal. That is the I've coach never heard that name before ever. I saw it on who he played for last year on Inside the NBA. They did him. I was like, nope, I don't know it. Didn't remember it. Um, I should know that. I should care because um, Josh Giddy plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that's I right. Your beloved Josh Giddy, sixth well, pick out of Australia, and going quite well. Yeah, he did I've, get he did get poleaxed into the base of. Um, into the ring or whatever and by Joel Embiid and the commentator said he didn't, didn't care what happened to Giddy um, and 
we were very mad in Australia. No one cared that we were mad, but we were mad. Because we cared. You are Australia is slowly becoming major Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma and San Antonio, those are your teams. Oh, Philly were a Philly were a team that a lot of Australians cared about. I would like a I would like in the next census for us to test that out. I would like to know if all those Phillies fans Philly fans are still Philly fans. Um idiots. Uh, I, I wonder if you guys are like London where like at the Jaguars games, there's just every different Jersey where I'm like, how the fuck are you a Bengals fan in ja- in London? Like how oh, did that yeah. happen? Pretty much yeah. like, uh, like wearing team merchandise here is very common. Yeah. And like you see, oh, well, there's a lot of, a lot of Raiders merchandise here. A lot. Oh. It is the most common form of merchandise here. Like even just like our casual clothing stores. We'll like, sell we'll sell we'll, Las Vegas Raiders merchandise. Yeah. Oh it wouldn't say Las Vegas, but we'll sell Raiders merchandise. Yep. Huh. That's like weird. our streetwear stores. Yep. Hmm. And they sell lots of NFL stuff. And yesterday I um bought me a Saints t shirt. Like Lucky. Don't worry, I'm still alive. <laughs> Don't worry. Everything's okay. You were frozen in a very strange position. Ah, that's good to know. I hope you took a screenshot of that. No, I just laughed. That is thank you. I hope I hope you did. I hope <laughs> I hope you did a good job with that. Anyways, would you would you I don't know what you were saying before, but uh oh Raiders. Neither do I. Um, oh yeah, and Raiders Raiders stuff. Very yeah. common. Yeah. Would you like your Chris Cody hint for the Pelicans coach? No, I said it was Willie. Yeah, but do you know his last name? No. It's a color. Green. Yep. You got it. Can you give me the magic coach? No. Yeah, neither can I. I got to look it up. Uh, It is Jamal Mosley. When you don't know, you don't know. Nope certain point you just got to accept you don't know but there's no reason why i should know the head coach of the orlando magic nope yeah so congrats to jamal mosley uh you are the head coach of the orlando magic apparently so yeah good luck to you guys as you head for a top pick this year uh can you name the pistons coach it's not stan either (laughs) it is not stan it is, it is not Stan Van Gundy. There, there are no Van Gundys around the Pistons. I don't really like Jeff. Is that a hot take? Eh, Jeff's, a, Jeff's not a great broadcaster, but it's it's fine. He's, he's, he's done it enough where he's good enough at it where I can take it, but he's not my cup of tea. Um, I think I know this. Dwayne Casey? That is correct. Yeah. I mean, that way he's been there for a while. So that one could be like some of the ones I've given you are first year coaches. So it's mm. cheating a little bit, but yeah, Dwayne Casey coaching the Pistons still to whatever they might be. I guess the Pistons just can't do much better than him. I guess that's what they've concluded at this point. We can't do much better than Casey. Like in Detroit, does it really matter? <laughs> and they got Cade Cunningham now. That's, that's something. Yeah. Detroit sports, just not very good at things. No, Detroit sport, but Detroit sports aren't even like they get close. Detroit sports are just, we're just going to be bad always. And sorry, that's just what it is. We're just going to be all time atrociously bad. 
Like Everything I think here sucks. Yeah, I think if the Lions get the number one pick, I think Detroit sports are going to have three different teams that have had the number one pick in the last four years. I think that's a real thing that that's I saw. Cute. So you have the Tigers. The Tigers had two number one picks. They had one in 2020 and one in 2018, the Pistons last year, and then you're going to have the Lions this year. Maybe the Red Wings had it too. Oh no, the Red Wings are that team that like they're always the worst team, but then they always get shitty luck in the lottery. So they're always the worst team, but then get like the five pick in the draft every year because they've just had absolutely shitty luck in the draft lottery. I really is- like the idea of a draft lottery. I like because it because it, it is it, like the draft is a lottery. Yeah, it's the it's, most but wonderful I, day. It's of funny. Year. It's funny watching them pick the balls out. Oh, it was crazy. funny listening. It was funny listening to Stugots. <laughs> the one, the one Zion here. Did, when they didn't get Zion. <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> clips from the show. I wish they played it more. Is the one of Jorge Sedano yelling and laughing when uh, when Zion does, or when the Knicks get number three. That's it's one of my favorite clips they have in the show. Is archive. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jorge Sedano. Uh, Jorge George. Sedano came on our podcast, and I decided I was going to do special effects makeup, and I glued my mouth shut. And <laughs> when it, when it came when it came my time. To ask my question, my mouth was glued shut and the person who was hosting wasn't watching, like wasn't watching the screen so he was doing it on his phone. So he didn't see that my mouth was glued together. <laughs> very, very, I don't know. I I should have known better than to have had it during that time. But So did you just go into the podcast knowing you weren't going to say anything? Was that no, the no, game? Dr- no, as like, because it goes for like an hour. There's 30 people on it. They're all asking shit questions. And I was like, oh, like my thing at the start was I'll do something during the podcast. Like I'll bake something or I'll, I don't know, I'll put furniture together. So I decided I was going to try special effects makeup. And I did. And I glued my mouth shut. And then Will goes, oh, go to the foreign correspondent. We're going to Australia. And I was like, and um, yeah, I think Jorge really enjoyed that. The disrespect I showed him. Yes. If you want shit questions, ladies and gentlemen, people, lots of 30 people on a Zoom asking shit questions. Check out Laura. Oh, like, oh, if, if you had condiments coming out of your fingers, oh, how many times can you hear the same question over and over? I mean, we both we both love the Levitard show, and that's about like eighty percent of the show is just condiments shitting out of your fingers. I don't need to hear Jorge tell me what which mascot he thinks would be a Tyrannosaurus that would beat a team of Tyrannosaurus Rexes. <laughs> Obviously, the Stanford tree. No, not the Stanford tree. Lo- no. I loved the Stanford tree as an answer. No, that, that's a that's a good answer, but no, the Oregon duck would kick ass. One of my favorite moments of the oh, year, wow. not just just anything in life. My favorite moments of the year was watching the Oregon Ohio State game, and just inexplicably in the corner of the end zone, you had the Oregon duck sitting on a giant inflatable chair using one of those shake weight things that everyone made fun of because it looks like you're jacking something <laughs> off. Just inexplicably in the corner of the TV, he's just sitting in a giant inflatable chair in the back of the end zone with a shake weight. So one of the most it's delightful things I've seen so... all year. <laughs> that shake weight was a terrible idea. 
but very funny. <laughs> it was probably great for the company for like two years when it was a meme. I'm sure they sold a shit ton of those. Uh, but they don't. <laughs> but did anyone like buy it legitimately and go, yes, that's what I need? A weight. Apparently a weight that looks like you're jacking off a penis <laughs> or masturbating a giraffe. I don't know how many humans that are like 11 feet tall, but you can, you can make the argument. It looks we don't like- do that right now. It's no, not November. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> anyway, even though this is, a, this is a, a audio medium. This is what I did to my face. During, oh, the good whole, Lord. during the whole hey Sedano oh, podcast. What I, is, why is it black? Because no, that's a ribbon. So what I did is I used latex and, and um, tissue and glued my mouth shut. And then I sewed a ribbon through my mouth as if it was like, like, this, like it was tying it together. It looks like you're like being gagged. That looks so weird. And then like, it's got a, like a bow on the side, but because it was a thick ribbon, it, it didn't look like you couldn't tell that it was threaded properly but that was my first try i'm i'm getting better sure okay so now i'll take your word for it that just you also added the filter to it which i guess kind of detracted from it a little bit but yeah now this is what i did for halloween oh yeah i saw that picture that was super cool Oh, and that was a great l- last week. I was a mermaid. This is slowly devolving into just Morgan showing me her camera roll. No, no these, these are just the special effects. I've only done five ever, and one's when I glued my mouth shut for Jorge Sedano, and it was great. Okay, was so that's really five. Next, next task should be doing the Grinch. You should turn yourself into the Grinch coming. Well, up. I've actually, my friend's an idiot and is having a Halloween party tonight. Um, so I. I need to find a costume today and figure out a special effects look that I need to do. So, but I'm not going to be green. No, no. I don't. I don't have green to paint. That's fair. That is fair. Damn. All right. Thanks for an hour, Morgan. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. that, this is all the that earliest shit. we've recorded before. This is. I don't know what time it is there, but yeah, it's like it is nine fifteen in the morning. Congratulations. You have a full day ahead of you. Well, how's it like in the future? You know what? It's not even 9.30 and my mom's already annoying me, so some things never change. Um, It's fine. You know what? It's spring-ish. It's getting warmer here. It's the middle of... Oh, damn. That's right. Reverse so myopic. Reverse seasons. I forgot. Living in a different hemisphere to you. My bad. It's spring Reverse seasons. Forgot about it. It's the middle it's of spring. It's still probably warmer where you are. It's like seventy right now, so I guess technically. I hang on, let me change my, let me change my weather to Fahrenheit. Seventy. <laughs> yeah, if it's seventy there now, it's warmer where you are. Uh, no, today it's going to be seventy-three. All right, so we're we're tied right now. So tomorrow is going to be seventy-seven. Yeah, we're not going to get to that. So congratulations. You you have your warm weather winter because I forgot halfway around the world. It's not winter. It's spring. It's winter. It's fall for me. Wow. This is bad. This is a bad way to end the podcast. This is going to haunt me for a while. So it'd only be perfect oh, if I just froze like in a funny face. <laughs> Ask me how I find another coach name. Oh, okay. Let's see. What do we have here? Uh, 
<sighs> fuck, I'm failing right now. Uh, what's a funny coach? Um, what's a shitty team? That's a better one. Who's the coach of the Hornets? They're not that bad anymore. No, but kind of done the bad teams. Gone through mm, all the shitty mm, teams already. Mm, mm. No, I don't know his name. Yeah, it's James Borrego, I think. How about no. Washington? You got the Washington Wizards. Who's their coach? James Borrego. I would yeah. never have got that ever in my life. I don't think I've even heard that. I think he was one of those Popovich people. Like he was with the oh, Spurs for like Popovich 20 years. Popovich people. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's like a coaching tree. A few of them, at least. I think he was like with the Spurs for like 20 years, like Budenholzer. Wizards. Who's the Wizards coach? Wes Unsold. Yeah, you got that. How about the Rockets coach? The As Bomani Jones calls it, hire a black man coach. <laughs> I always gave you the Raptors then because I'm dumb. Um. And he's not black. Um, no, Nick Nurse. I think Nick Nurse is the Nick, opposite. Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse is, is middle not. management. <laughs> IT middle management. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite looks likes other than tax evasion. Quinn Snyder looks like tax evasion is my favorite. Um, starts with S. Silas. Yeah. That's a last name. I don't know his first name. Also starts with an S. Steve. Steve? I don't know. I don't know his first name. I mean, it's close. It's Steve, but Steven. the way... Steven. Oh, yes. so, oh, so what? Steven the way... Oh. It's the way Steph Curry spells his name. So he goes by Steven, but it's literally spelled the exact same way as Stefan. But here, that's that's Stephen with a PH. Yeah, it's a P. It's S T E P H E N. Yeah. Stephen. So if it was if, he, if it was Stephen, it would be A N. But Stephen Curry spells his name the exact same way with an E. Spells his name wrong. Uh, one of them's wrong. He'd tell you one of them pronounces it wrong. <laughs> Stephen Curry. See, this is now Stephen Curry is a totally different person than Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. Is... <laughs> Stephen Curry. <laughs> <laughs> He's Austin Rivers. 